Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really a big, big pleasure because I have a Formula One friends, a big expert in customer experience, in customer service, and is cooking cooking delicious stuff to watch the Formula One Grand Prix. Hi, Roy, how are you? Very good. Molto bene, Gregorio. Thank you very much. And for the few ladies and gentlemen watching or listening to this episode, I was speaking, we are speaking with Roy Atkinson. He is the great guy that is regularly sharing one, two, three by Roy. These are short videos during one minute and 23 seconds with a lot of golden nuggets. And therefore I am keen and thrilled to start the discussion because I want to come to the last question asking Roy's golden nugget, but Let's start and kick off the discussion today, introducing our top players today, Roy Atkinson. Could you please introduce yourself? Certainly will, Gregorio. Uh, I am the CEO and Principal Advisor at Clifton Butterfield LLC, and we advise businesses on customer experience, employee experience, and the appropriate technologies to improve both. Thank you very much. I have the feeling, and I think also a lot of people from the audience to know you a bit because of everything that I shared and that you are sharing to the social medias. But we want always to go one step further and to understand a bit better you and something about you. And therefore, which values drive you in life? Uh, I was lucky enough to have the privilege of working at the Institute for Global Ethics, which is a small international think tank. I worked there for three years. And the Institute's mission included finding common values that people held regardless of geographic location, religion, social status, whatever. And what the work found was that a set of five values was common around the world. Honesty, responsibility, respect, fairness, and compassion. And in my book, that's a great set of values, and I try to live up to them. Thank you very much. Straight to the point, I would say one, two, three, one, one minute, 23 seconds. These are <laughs> Roy's series, straight to the point, explaining something. And to the audience that he is not following Roy, you will find all the contact details from Roy in the show notes following because these videos are really, really great. Now to start the discussion and deep diving, for me, it was quite difficult to identify a topic to discuss with you because you know a lot, you are, uh, you are CEO, you have a lot of, uh, of experience. And therefore I said, let's discuss with really a thought leader in this topic about digital transformation and deep diving in digital transformation to learn about it. And then in the second part about leadership, if we have somebody with your, um, with your experience, then it's important to discuss about leadership. But now let's Let's start with digital transformation. What's your definition of digital transformation? 
I think it's important to recognize which one of those two words we emphasize. And uh, for me, it's transformation. So I think digital transformation is reimagining both the work and the ways of working to produce a customer-centric business transformation enabled by digital technologies. So the operative word there is transformation. Digital is merely the enabler of the transformation that takes place. Thank you very much. Could you please perhaps a bit deep dive a bit more in this topic that you shared? It's an enabler. How can digital enable that? Let's take a specific example that I know of from a contact center. One of the problems they were trying to solve was to get resolutions to customers faster. That was their goal. So that's the business goal. Get the resolution to the customers faster. They thought about how to do that. And, and one of the ways they decided to uh, that could help them do that was to allow the contact center agents to reach out directly to the subject matter experts wherever they were in the company. And so they just they asked themselves, well, how can we do that? And the answer was through very common collaboration tools. Uh, we have, there's a plethora of them, are there all kinds of apps that allow people to talk to each other within the companies. A very common one is Microsoft Teams. And they said, okay, and what we're going to do is we're going to allow those contact center agents to talk directly to those subject matter experts. And not only that, we're going to let them see the availability of the subject matter experts so they know who they can contact and get an immediate answer to get that resolution back to the customer. And so that's what they did. So the business decision was to allow the contact center agents to talk to the subject matter experts directly without going through hoops. And the solution was to do that via digital means. So the transformation takes place enabled by the digital technology. Does that help clarify a little bit? That's perfect. I think we always enjoy um, guests sharing great example to, to understand that better. And um, sticking to the digital transformation, what's from your point of view, um, what roles play culture in a company in digital transformation? Huge. Culture is such an enormous part of this. Uh, Peter Drucker, who's Everybody who has ever studied management knows Peter Drucker said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And that simply means that if we don't change the culture, the strategy is going to fail. Culture is the way we do things here. I mean, to put it in simple terms, culture is the way we do things. And if the way we do things doesn't align with a strategy, the strategy is going to fail. Because that the way of doing things is so ingrained in people. They're, it's habitual. It's part of their lives. And we have to make every effort to align that behavior with what the strategy as we're trying to create a transformation. So paying attention to that cultural change is super important. Um, you shared that it's important to align um 
how people behave to to these uh, strategic targets. Perhaps do you have also an example that you can share from from your past experience uh, to make it more tangible for the audience? Wow, I would say that I've seen a lot of it, uh, but uh, in in one case, uh, I, I would say that people just ignoring new tools that were put in place to help them do their jobs and continuing to do their jobs the old way. Specifically, that was a, a small case, it springs to mind, where it was a supply area for the rest of the organization. If you needed something for your office, if you needed something for your department, you would go to the supply store and they like doing everything on paper. Well, ERP came along, Enterprise Resource Planning came along and gave them new and better ways of doing this that would tie into their inventory systems and everything else, but they didn't make the change. And so they continued to do everything on paper, even though the tool was in place, they ignored it. And so that created a problem because now the ERP system wasn't tracking the inventory, it wasn't tracking their sales for them, they were still... So that was a behavior change that should have happened and didn't. And so it didn't align with the rest of the project that was going across the organization. And there were pockets of that across the organization. That's always the same issue. You want, you try to transform a business and then you have in the middle these human beings that are not doing what they are expected to do. And, and this is the, the next topic I would like to, to touch with you. You shared some example uh, where, let's say, the customer or the impacted people from the transformation were uh, um, employees. Now, uh, thinking about B2C, business to consumer, uh, what is the role of customers in digital transformation? I think the role of customers is huge in digital transformation. Um, I contributed to a book by the Institute for Digital Transformation, of which I'm a fellow. Uh, and my contribution had everything to do with customer experience. And part of what I said was that customers are leading digital transformation in a lot of ways, right? Digital, uh, digital technologies don't only enable businesses, they enable customers as well. And customers are better informed and better prepared than they ever have been. Uh, they're in many cases leading the world of business because they are acting in ways that business might not expect and businesses saying, oh, they're looking for this. We can provide that by doing certain things. And so they do the certain things and they come up with the technologies that enable those particular actions. We've all done it, standing in a store, looking at a particular item, trying to decide whether or not we're going to buy it with our phones in our hands, comparing prices, comparing availability, comparing product features, that's the way that consumers, customers are enabled by these digital technologies. And a lot of times they are pulling the business along to say, hey, we want to do things this way. Give us the means to do it. And businesses have to respond. 
I think what you're saying is it's key to involve customer from the beginning, listen to them and involving them from, from the beginning. You shared that at, at uh, the beginning of this discussion also with two examples related to technology. And speaking about technology, I see a lot of technology providers that are trying to find um, companies implementing the solution. And for me, the feeling is uh, solution is looking for problems and uh, we have a great solution let's find a common problem that we can solve together and it's clear that uh, and the other way, way around would be better first identifying the problem and then trying to find solution and to find the solution often uh, the mean to find the solution is technology what's the role of technology in digital transformation well it's, it is always as i said it's always the enabler it is the key to put together the elements of a business decision that you've made. So as I gave in my example, you make the decision that agents should be allowed to talk to the subject matter experts. The technology merely provides the means to do that. You want, hey, here's another example from something that I'm all too familiar with, an airline. <laughs> uh, and uh, specifically Delta Airlines, some years ago, they included in their uh, mobile app the ability to track your luggage. And when you check your luggage, you get a little paper tag and it has a number on it and a barcode. And they allowed you to scan the barcode to track your luggage. Well, then eventually what they did was they said, well, why are we doing that? Why don't we just open up our database to the customer. So allow that customer to see exactly what we're seeing in terms of where that bag is at any given point. And so now when I open up that app, it says the bag was checked, the bag is in transit, the bag is on the plane, the bag is off the plane, the bag is in transit, the bag is on my next connecting flight or is being delivered to a baggage carousel. I know where that bag is all the time. And that is a perfect example, I think, of how just leveraging the technology to provide a good outcome for the customer is key. And I think that's a brilliant example of how businesses can transform their relationship with their customers. Even if, if Roy is in Dubai and the luggage of Roy is in Switzerland, then perhaps it's not the best, the best place to be. Oh. Although I did recently have a, have a case where I was in Portugal and we didn't know where my luggage was. Uh, so, and we didn't get the luggage back until after I was back in, in the U.S. Uh, was not Delta, by the way, I will say that. It was a different airline, but uh, it, it was very difficult to find out anything about the luggage for a bunch of reasons, but it was not a happy example. No, clear. I think what you what you're sharing um, it's something mm -hmm. that we often uh, know and happens, and therefore we need to take care. What I like about digital transformation is if you do it in a proper way, then you need to create a process end to end, and then you can also define what happens when it should happen, and so on. And it makes it a bit easier then to to measure uh, what happens happen through the the process, and then identify improvements and so on. But from your point of view or from your experience, how can you measure the progression the uh, in digital transformation? I think that one of the keys 
is to look at bigger pictures than we're used to. There are three levels of measures and metrics. There's the operational, which we're very used to in the world of customer service and customer experience, the day-to-day metrics. How long was the call? How many calls did we take? How many agents were available? All of those stats that everybody tracks. Those are important from an operational standpoint. They don't give us too much information about the bigger picture uh, until it's too late. (laughs) If we we make a mess of it, obviously that's going to have long-term consequences. But I think the bigger picture is really important in terms of measuring progress because Digital, true digital transformation is an organization-wide effort. And so you're, you need to look at things like customer retention, repeat business, customer lifetime value, employee experience, and in, in terms of individual uh, interactions and, and relationships, customer effort score, in my opinion, is the best metric on the planet. I think it's superior to other ones that are used in similar fashion. I won't even go and mention them, but customer effort is so important. How hard was it for me to accomplish this? If I was trying to buy something, if I was trying to return something, if I was trying to get information, if I was trying to get some kind of service related to the product, how hard was it? That is a key indicator to me of whether or not I'm going to come back. And whether I come back or not, is the most important indicator of how well things are going. And so your progress in terms of digital transformation of being able to measure those things and act on those things in a rapid and uh, well-disciplined fashion. If you're going about it right, and experience, I think, needs to be measured as close to real time as possible. And we have those tools now. We can do that. And uh, building that into your transformation plans is key. Thank you very much, Roy. The first half of this discussion is coming to a conclusion. And I would like to have a a small break with you. The break is about your passion. I know we didn't pre-discuss that, but I know that you can discuss about that topic. Um, We see a fabulous picture of what you are cooking before every Formula One Grand Prix. (laughs) Could you please share something about your passion about Formula One and cars in particular? Because we, I saw a lot of great pictures. Thank you. Uh, yes, I have been a fan of Formula One since I was probably about six or seven years old. I've watched races uh, over many years. We don't need to say how many. It was a lot. (laughs) But uh, going back to the days of Jackie Stewart and Jimmy Clark and some of the other great racers, um, I I was fascinated with the sport and remain fascinated with the sport. It's it's certainly different now from what it was like then. It's certainly a lot safer, uh, largely through the efforts of Jackie Stewart. Um, And uh, it is an amazing business as well. As we know, it's huge and growing, uh, tremendously valuable business like all sports are now, which is takes a little bit of the edge off, but that's how, that's how life is. And uh, it, I find it endlessly fascinating. I am fascinated by the technology uh, in Formula One. 
a car that can go from zero to 100 miles per hour and back to zero in 400 yards is absolutely astounding. And uh, that the cornering speeds that these drivers are withstanding, 5Gs, 6Gs in lateral force, like fighter pilots. It's absolutely amazing. They're wonderful athletes, which a lot of people don't appreciate, simply because these cars are such incredible performers. And uh, it's always interesting to see who's doing well and who's not. And we we both know who's doing really, really, really well right now. <laughs> and whether we like it or not, that's he's the front runner, and there it is. What a team! I I share what you're saying. It was also my passion a few years ago. Then perhaps the best car were not <laughs> this one, but others. And uh, the red colors was was always uh, winning. And therefore, uh, I was uh, watching this this Grand Prix. But it's at the end, it's a sport, and this sport uh, is also experience business. It's it's a big experience, and also uh, seeing you that you cook something and you have your. Uh, they planned for the Grand Prix. It's it's also showing how important these these experiences are. Uh, I would have 200 questions, but <laughs> these are not related to this podcast. They would be the uh, fit in another podcast that we can do. Um, let's go back to 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 the topic. Speaking about leadership, uh, you have a lot of experience. Perhaps could you please share one of your biggest failure and what you learned from it? <clears throat> When I was directly managing a team, a service team, uh, the organization was undergoing a reduction in force, otherwise known as layoffs. And we who were in management were told to select the team members who would be leaving. Um, and that was a very difficult decision. Uh, I made my selections. But I failed in that I did not protect one of my best people when it came to selecting uh, that those, those who were going to be leaving us. And my selection was overruled. And so I lost one of my best, best performers. And that still bothers me that I allowed that to happen. I should not have allowed it to happen in spite of the fact that, was, that that decision was made by people who were over me. I should have gone to bat more strongly and uh, produced a different result. But that was the outcome, and I still think about it. Thank you for sharing a personal story, a personal experience. For me, in, in leadership, one important um, ingredient is resilience. What's your definition of resilience? Uh, I think resilience is the ability to weather a storm uh, whether it's financial or organizational or a cybersecurity event or whatever it happens to be, and recover the ability to deliver the required services. So you may be knocked down, but you're able to stand up and get on with the job as rapidly as possible and provide what, what is ever what is required of you. And it's carefully phrased because being able to deliver something is better than nothing. But if you're not able to deliver what's required of you, uh, you're not really resilient. So that that's, that's an essential part of the definition, I think. Thank you, Roy. And what's your secret ingredient being a leader yourself? 
Um, I don't really think of myself as a leader. Um, I, I try to do the things that I think are worth doing and are the right things to do. Um, and I, I try to be the guy who picks up the litter in the parking lot. Uh, and, and that's not necessarily to set an example, because in my experience, unfortunately, leading by example doesn't produce results as often as it should. Um, but I think if we do the right things for the sake of doing the right things, uh, we will accomplish the things that we need to accomplish. And, and, and if I'm a leader, that's how and why. Uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what key leadership lessons have you learned throughout your career that you, you, you would like to share? I think one of the big revelations that I had about being in a, in a leading role was that one of my responsibilities was to take down the barricades that were in the way of the people I was working with. Uh, for example, I had somebody who was having trouble getting a particular certification that they wanted to, to get because the testing site, it had to be in person. It was uh, almost 200 miles away. Uh, they didn't have enough vacation time to take time off, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I realized there's got to be a way to reduce the barriers that this person has to get over to get this done. And I was able to help facilitate uh, an exam for that person at a place that was much closer, that normally would not have been open to somebody from outside the organization coming in. But I was able to pry the door open and say, let this guy take his exam here, because if he doesn't, he won't get his certification, and that's not going to help his future. So I was able to get that done. And that's, that's I think taking the barricades down is key for leaders to do. Thank you very much. I really like and enjoy this, this pills that you are sharing. We spoke a lot about examples and the past. Let's now um, look about the future. In 10 years from now, we are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. What we are discussing about? Um, I, I think, unfortunately, we're going to be discussing some of the same things. Uh, because that's how the interplay is between business and customers, and business tends not to move at at rapid pace as as we know. And people have been talking about the same things in terms of customer relations and customer experience and customer service for a long time. But I think that what one of the things that we'll be saying is how amazing it is that we're able to do what we're able to do. Uh, through the incredible uh, capabilities of the technologies that we have, as we're doing right now, from where you are to where I am, and and recording this, but also that we can proceed to solve a lot of problems in the same way as we always have, and that is regardless of artificial intelligence, regardless of all the wonderful technology, being able to reimagine the way things should be and using that as our model is, is going to still be a topic of conversation in 10 years from now. 
Thank you very much, Roy. Now we are coming to the end of this game. In the extra time, the last few minutes, two questions for you. The first one is, what's the best way to contact you? Best way to contact me is either via LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. at It's just my name, Roy Atkinson, um, or the company name, Clifton Butterfield, LLC. You can email me at Roy at CliftonButterfield.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at least for the moment, as long as Twitter is still standing. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Roy Atkinson. And uh, there, there's a multitude of ways you can find me. Just search my name and you'll find me somewhere. Uh, but I'd be happy to hear from you, answer questions or talk to you. Thank you very much. And the audience will find all the this information also in the show notes. And now we are coming to the last question. Is Roy's golden nugget it's something that we discussed or something new to leave to the audience? Uh, well, I tell you what, I, I will transfer a golden nugget. And it's 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 humorous and it's meant to be humorous, but it's also a spot of brilliance. Years and years ago, when I was in the world of music, I was a musician for a long time, and I used to do a lot of business with a particular dealer in musical instruments and services and so forth. And he had come from Yugoslavia, which it was then. He was Serbian by, by birth, came over, joined the U.S. Navy, became a U.S. citizen, opened a business, and became quite successful. And uh, I made a deal with him because I like languages uh, if he would teach me Serbian, I would always be his customer. And he said, okay. And I said, well, I'm going to add something to that, Mike. Uh, you have to give me a pearl of wisdom. Every time that I come, you have to teach me a pearl of wisdom. And so Mike said, and I have to imitate Mike when I tell you this, otherwise it doesn't work. He said, you know, it's only two ways to live. Either you make a million dollars or you owe a million dollars. If you make a million dollars, everybody wants to be your friend. If you owe a million dollars, nobody's going to let you die. <laughs> and that has stuck with me all these years. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. It's a lot of fun. It's not the rule that I live by, but I think it, it has something to say, and I've never forgotten it. Thank you very much, Roy. It's uh, it's really a great conclusion of the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Roy, thank you very much. Please stay with me to the audience. It's everything also for these, these episodes. As you know, we like feedback. Please feel free to share feedback with me, with Roy. Ask any questions. Please let us know and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you very much and bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth, subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!